0: actually just got off the phone. Uh, hang on a sec yeah I just got off the phone from my son Josh and um he said to say hi by the way
1: oh he's the best I uh <laughs> we just saw him last week we were in Dallas for C3 Americas and um it's so cool to see their team and the spirit they carry everyone's so nice and Pastor Fillmore has become a great friend and um yeah that's the real guy. I need to be as cool as you know. I'm I'm not the yeah. I'm I'm the bottom <laughs> of the pole, you know, and he's the measurement of coolness, whatever that means.
0: But um, true story, true story. <laughs> he, he he's our adopted New York son too, as well. Oh, let's go! <laughs> I, <laughs> not official, not officially, of course. But anyway, hey, we love filming.
1: You never know. All right. Um, yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your morning. You're in. You're you're on Friday. We're still on Thursday. Oh, um, but I, I appreciate it a ton. It means a lot to me and the viewers in our church and everybody who's
0: going to be watching this. Absolute, absolute pleasure, Josh. And it's great to um, finally see you. Yeah. One, one day we'll get to meet, right?
1: Yes, 100%. Whether I'm coming there, hopefully it's a little warmer there. So, or you're coming here, we'll take it yeah. anyway, anywhere. No. Well, you're,
0: welcome, you're welcome anytime.
1: Hey, let's go. I, I was on a call with one of my friends who lives in Atlanta, Georgia, earlier. And it's like, 75. I was like, Hey, you know, I, uh, would love to come down. Uh just trying to be funny, but, um, so tell the viewers a little bit about who you are, who is pastor Mark Kelsey, where do you live? Um, there might be somebody who doesn't even know who both of us, they just came up on this video.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, hello to everyone. And, uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, uh, I live in Sydney, Australia, uh, on the, on a part of Sydney called the Northern beaches. Mm. Uh, beautiful part of the world, and in a, a beach called Avalon, which is gorgeous. So, uh, born and raised in Sydney, uh, been part of C3 uh, movement uh, from its pretty well from its inception. So, my yeah. wife and I rocked up to the very first C3 church. It wasn't called C3 back then, but rocked up to the first C3 church maybe three or four weeks after it started uh, in the little suburb of Dy, which is another beach suburb not far from here. And there may be 20 people in the life of the church. So, and we've just grown with it. You know, we've just pretty well done everything, every leadership position you can imagine, and just grown with the church and eventually grown with the, that then became a movement of churches and we planted churches, et cetera. Uh, Yeah, married to my wife, beautiful Bernie or short for Bernadette. And we've got three married children and seven grandchildren. Mm. Uh, our son Josh, who some of you may know, who's watching and listening, he and his wife and two boys run have planted C three NYC, mm-hmm. so they've been running that for a few years. Uh, got another daughter married in, and uh, they got two boys. They live in New York as well, so we've got wow. two kids, New York side, and um, and another daughter and her husband, three daughters uh, who live here in Australia. So. Yeah, so that's a quick scope. Bernie and I, we are involved in the church here in Sydney. So we are part of the staff and team here of C3SYD, it's called. Uh, And we're also on the global team. So, And on the global team, we have done a whole bunch of roles from strategic vision stuff. We essentially train church planters Mm. and uh, emerging leaders In the movement around the globe so we're involved in all the different regions and we run this thing called express which is a sort of a five-day live-in intensive like a boot camp if you like and so we train emerging leaders around the world so we're doing four of those this year various parts uh, europe southeast asia new zealand australia uh and we take that around the world essentially training leaders and helping passes uh either grow into a new space or become church planners or location pastors so so that's a quick yeah quick quote of what we do
1: it's absolutely incredible I I just get encouraged by hearing um, a couple things obviously Um, number one just being happy to be a part of the c3 movement Um, being with family last week just I came back to Omaha with a fire in my belly knowing oh my gosh, um, God's on the move, and I hope and pray everyone feels that, Um, and two, your kids are planted in the house of God, planting churches, flourishing. Um, My wife and I always talk about how, because we're first generation leaders in the church, and I always talk, I say, I pray our kids Um, are playing in the house of God um, no matter where we live what we're a part of so something you said that I really would like to dive in a little bit um, just because it's kind of like the the word of our decade I feel like is leadership like just the word leader Um, what in your um, in your definition or more lines the past years what does that mean for for me what is what does a leader mean
0: yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it's interesting the word leader is hardly it was not even used in the Bible. Essentially, right. um, I think it's something that we've really very much uh, taken on board, particularly as the more the more contemporary church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, typically and traditionally, we'd use the word minister, mm-hmm. um, but I think one of the things that we've seen over the years has been this uh, di- you know dichotomy or tension between the traditional minister as we've known it and a leader uh, in which you know the minister would what we would see is someone who just passes and preaches and what have you but in the building of churches um, we would probably begin to want to disciple ministers so that they really understand the concept of leadership so because church is ministry powerfully but also is building the structures around church so it's The ability to raise teams, probably all the things we put in the camp of discipleship. Because I think true discipleship actually raises other disciples. So it isn't about just leading Christians, it's about raising other disciples. And it's that multiplication effect. Um, So I think the definition of leadership would be really in the multiplying of disciples. Mm -hmm. And and hopefully that becomes a generational thing. Uh, Generational as in. You know, ages, but also generationalism within a church that you've got disciples making disciples, making disciples. And I think really that's where true healthy church is. And it probably is where the best form of biblical growth is as well. So instead of it just being about a tractional church, about putting on a great show and a great meeting with a good speaker and people coming and attending and watching and sitting but we're actually building true Christ community. Um, and in that Christ community, we're just dis- helping people discover their callings, their giftings, and creating a culture in which people are discipled, And then that perpetuates uh, not just generationally, but, but from the community of church out into the communities in which we're living so that we actually are reaching people and reaching the people that were called to the cities and, and places in which we live. So... yeah. So that's a long answer to a, oh, a very simple
1: question. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. I love it. Um, Pastor Phil actually was talking about um, at C3 Americas about churchins and Christians. And I just love that language of um, we we're building things just around the model of a Sunday service versus Truly building disciples, and maybe there's a young a young leader watching this who says, "Man, I, I really want to build a disciple, or I want to ma- I want to make a difference with my friends." Um, what are a couple of practical tools that they can take from this conversation um, to help build disciples?
0: Yeah, look, I think it's it's the Jesus model. I, I I think you know one of the things that's happened. I think one of the things that COVID is. You know, there's a lot of challenges, and you know, that, you know that's a very volatile subject. I know, but yeah, uh, but one of the things I think it's done, it's it's because churches haven't been able to meet, uh, at least as often or the way they used to. It's forced us, I think, in many cases, to look at okay, well, what what is church? What 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 can what does church actually consist of? So it's forced us to rethink that through, which I think is a good thing. Um, and I think as disciples, it's ultimately to become a disciple, I think we need to be first disciples of Jesus. We, we first need to be yep. followers of Christ. So I think the returning to the basics of, of our walk with Christ, mm-hmm. our, our disciplines, our routines, uh, you know, of course, you, and I think you, you're aware you referred to a little bit earlier, that the, the personal disciplines, the personal the, the rediscovering Sabbath, rediscovering solitude, rediscovering the yeah. things of what it means for me to be a follower of Christ. I mean, the basics, getting back right. to those, the word of God, prayer, God forbid, those things. Right. Yeah. It's because it's like we've made church the thing,
1: mm.
0: whereas really church, even the, even saying that word i mean it's like church has become in our western world particularly mm-hmm. the attendance at something we go to as opposed to true christ community so i think it's it's discovering that so what is community how do i follow christ how do i keep the routines of life so that i become a living light and a form of 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 god in my community so i I am part of community but different yeah so i carry a different spirit a different heart a different value system Um, but i'm still part of and a living connection to the very community i'm called to And, and i think so it's following those things first like rediscovering the personal disciplines of christ and then i think learning to live in community so that i'm in relationship and connection so i'm i'm part of a team i'm part of a small group so I'm, i've am i actually got a, a a practical physical context because christianity without context is just individual belief systems and, and we don't want that we want it has to have context yeah. you know, so it's living in community and then of course the third thing would be to have some sense of responsibility because I think we grow as disciples as we live out and and act out our our ministry, our callings, our giftings, and ultimately begin to serve people with our gifts. So unless we have personal disciplines in community and then living out our servant-hearted giftings, um, because that's where you grow. And and that's why I think it's been awesome following Pastor Phil and in his team for many, many decades. We've been with him for almost 42 years now. And he, he, early days, just kicked us out of the nest a little bit and got us us doing stuff Mm -hmm. because it's not just in the context of community, it's in the context of calling that you begin to grow. So, we ran our, started our first connect group and we learned so much by actually doing the things of ministry rather than just learning about it or listening about it. So, yeah. anyway, just a few thoughts there.
1: No, it's great. Yeah, I feel like this past season, like you you mentioned COVID and just the craziness of um, the season, that the whole world just kind of shut down. And really, the whole season, I felt like what I was sharing to all of our team, even my wife and I talked about. My pastors all of it just it's not that complicated like what we do um the things it's just like in first grade and they tell they teach you math and they say you need to know this for the rest of your life you don't take it that serious and then come high school you just <laughs> you fail yeah. like i did um wasn't a math guy but it's the, it's the daily disciplines and i really that was something i took away from c3 americas was every person that i encountered Uh, had a conversation with, sip some coffee next to you, had a conversation, you could tell they sit with God. Um, It's not just like a transactional kind of church thing you do, but the people genuinely have an outflow. Um, And that's something that I took away and going, wow, I guess I need to spend more time with God even than what I'm doing. So um, it's definitely encouraging. And quickly, just in in the COVID thing, um, what, for you, has been something that you've, been, you've learned from this season? Um, I think everyone has learned a lot, I'm just more or less probably about themselves, but also um, the church.
0: Yeah, look, oh, it's, it's, it's been such a crazy season, hasn't it? It's been yeah. very difficult for so many people. Church leaders, the amount of pivoting and adjusting and still going on, as we know. It's so hilarious that early days, they're going, this may last six or eight weeks and we're heading into the third year now, which is crazy. So it's been crazy, see, and crazy for business people, yeah. etc. But um, yeah, look, I I suppose, um, watching the church respond, I suppose my the biggest grief I have is probably watching the level of polarization, uh, and not just between the church and the world, but but within the church. So. Um. You know, I suppose my conviction would be that it's in these times that we need to re uh, connect to what the true gospel is. Mm. And and what I love about the gospel, it's the gospel is never polarizing. The gospel has this ability, I think, to actually sort of live in the tension of what would be opposing systems or opposing thinking. And understand both ends of that spectrum. Uh, the gospel cuts through and gets to the heart of the issue. So, um, I think if anything, the, the COVID has done is, is, is forced us in many cases to relook at what is our message. What are we actually proclaiming? What are we actually living? Uh, how is the church different? So we're not sounding just like everyone else who's struggling mm-hmm. through this. But we, how do we bring a, a message of hope? Or faith, hope, and love through this through this season. Um, so that's probably the thing that I and getting back to the simplicity of the gospel and what yeah. that actually is. I love what M.T. Wright uh talks about. And you know, because he he defines the gospel from a biblical point of view, obviously, with three key things. It's it's salvation,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's beauty, so it's yeah. it's the, the aesthetic and it's justice. Wow. Um and so the, the gospel. Needs to be all three of those things. The church is often just focused on salvation, mm-hmm. uh, but it does involve beauty and it does involve our environment. And it does involve those things, but it also involves justice. Yeah, and it's interesting that, that there is this this massive polarization between the left and the right. And uh, and and but justice is important, but it needs to be coupled with those other two things. And that's what I think the gospel does really, really well.
1: Yeah. That's absolutely brilliant. And I, and I, yeah, it's just been a crazy season of unraveling. I feel like in, uh, one thing I know is God's going to build his church one way or another. Um, and that's something that gives me faith and hope. Um, and I love, so, um, last couple of questions. Um, so there, it's obviously been for a lot of ministry, um, leaders and pastors, and, um, it's been a hard season for a lot of people. Um, kind of two-part question, number one, maybe share a little bit about a season where you um, were like, hey, this is too much, or this is hard, because um, we all have seasons like that, and um, I'm new, newly married of eight months, and uh, we have the next 80 years, you know, to, to be in ministry and to push forward, and I'm sure um, we've already had seasons and moments, but um, in the future, and then the second part of that question um, is, how did you get through that
0: uh, yeah, I mean, I think you, you don't live in the call of God without there being challenging moments. You know, it's and, uh, in many ways the battle is a daily battle. It's it's you know that's that's the thing, and that and that's the Christian life. We need to understand. uh that, You know, Jesus said, "Take up your cross." Mm-hmm. I read this morning in Matthew, "Deny yourself." I mean, the whole nature of the, of the gospel and the call of God in our lives is that that's that daily battle of, of battling with, you know, your own flesh and yourself. So those things are normal and daily. Um, Probably as I look back, I mean, we planted a church, we started the first C3 church in the U S back in 1989. Wow! So like 32, 33 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a great season challenging season so we we moved from sydney to new york with our three kids josh who now is 40 was seven at the time so three young kids seven five and two we moved to a foreign land and it was like crazy i mean we had no idea what we're doing we're completely raw green i you know i think it was a you know a mix of calling and craziness and naivety but you know that's what the call of god is sometimes <laughs> right. is we're them, did it so we did it and we arrived in the shores and in new york and went like how do we do know we started there with no one so those first couple of years in new york and planting from scratch and getting used to a foreign land or at least foreign to us and yeah. um, you know the financial challenges the spiritual challenges the cultural shifts the and just the normal, you know, building a life and trying to plant a church at the same time. Had three jobs as well as plant the church. Oh, and it was pretty crazy. But look, you know, you asked me the question, when did you feel like, were there times in which you felt like giving up? I mean, probably, you know, 50 times a day in those first couple yeah. of years. The, the question went through my mind, why am I doing this? Why did I do this? Yeah. We left a sec- you know, what we knew, we left a secure job in the ministry and a large church in Sydney to come and do this seemed like a good idea at the time. But when you get there, you think, oh, my gosh, this is pretty crazy. So look, there are many, many days in which we struggled, uh, in which we we thought, why are we doing this? This is crazy and felt like giving up. However, to answer the answer to part two, what, what got you through basically for us, it was like we knew we were called. We absolutely one hundred percent knew that God had asked us to do this, yeah. and we made a pre decision before before responding that we would not leave or give up unless God called us back. Yeah. This I don't know. There's something about those decisions, like commitments that you make when things are good, when things aren't tough. Yeah. You know, there's a, the power in pre decision. So we just said we're not leaving because of pressure. We're only going to leave because of the call of God. So that got us through uh, because we 100% knew that we were called there. And and we made it through. And then church began to break through and grow and things began to happen. And then maybe eight or nine years after that, uh, we felt a call back from New York to Sydney. And that's when the whole global space opened up and we started church planning, et cetera, et cetera, and training church planners. But, yeah, look, there's going to be plenty of tough times in the ministry of the call of God. Um, And I think uh, the sense of commitment, the sense of hearing from God and having a deep revelation in your heart that one, you are called, that's the big picture, but specifically you have a call to do that thing. Because I think many people give up way too soon um, before the breakthrough happens or before the thing is, because the thing is, it's in those pressured times that God is doing most of the work in you not through you. And he is, he is preparing you for the thing that he wants you to ultimately achieve. But it's in the stretch. It's in the challenge. It's in, it's in the struggle uh, that obviously the growth is happening. So we all know that. But, uh, you know, that—that that, the ability is to hang in there in those times seems a long way it seems like a foreign thought and a, and, a, and a thing that was that you decided during an easy time but they're the times to hang in so
1: yeah well it's absolutely brilliant and it, it's encouraging me i hope that i can re-watch this and take notes on our conversation um last two <laughs> questions um something that you said when you were in sydney and um, decided to pick up and move to a, a foreign land in New York, um, not just moving into like the suburbia Midwest, you know, you're kind of diving right in. Um, for you, what, and like for you and your wife, what was something that kind of put in your heart? Was it um, Pastor Phil or was it um, just kind of a random thing that happened? How, what, what made you kind of say, all right, we're going to move to New York?
0: Yeah, good question. Big, big question. Look, really simply, we were part of a church then with pastor phil and chris um, that had just started to project a church planning vision yeah yeah so we were in the context of seeds being sown then we're in a meeting one particular sunday morning pastor phil seemingly it wasn't but seemingly randomly said one day we're going to plant a church in new york and that that phrase or that sentence just grabbed me and and bernie Interestingly, neither of us knew that the same thing happened to each other at the same time. Yeah. And we, that morning, in our heart of hearts, we knew that we were called to do something in New York. Now, we'd never been to America, let alone New York. Yeah. And But something supernatural happened. So it was a very unique, divine, specific call. And then, look, it was a process of about over the next probably 10 to 12 months that God began to confirm and prepare and put together the specifics of how that can happen but it was that key moment you know and i did look i, I put out a I, I did test the waters i mean you don't just sort of uproot your family and just right when we go to a foreign country to plant a church we we tested it but and god confirmed it praise god for that yeah. so so yeah it was a very specific thing
1: yeah hey my wife um we we really feel like in the next whatever amount of years we'll plant a church and she's always she's hates the cold and i'm like babe you keep talking like that we're going to end up in like antarctica or alaska you just you don't know how god works you just got to got to hold your tongue there babe um, either, either
0: either that who he loves us so much you'll you'll call, call you to miami or hey,
1: california we'll we'll take it i don't we'll take anywhere we we love omaha too you know um but so last question um really talking longevity and talking church planning and um, the past couple of years, even what are like two to three handles that I could take, we all could take for um, really being um, planted in this and what we're doing, um, building God's house and building disciples. Um, What are a couple of things that um, we could take, take to the bank tonight?
0: Yeah, look, longevity, huge issue. I I think that because longevity has all these consequences that it it means that you remain a witness to the people that you're part of it means that if you have kids if you're married of course and then then that has incredible outcomes I mean really many ways my wife and I our desire is not for our lives it's for our kids lives it's for our grandkids lives it's it's to see them prosper and continue. Yeah. That's that's our burden, you know. Mm-hmm. So a couple of thoughts. One is just the basics. Keep the basics basic. Keep keep them alive. Keep yeah. your prayer life, your word life. And I know it's it's so cliche, but people, you never suddenly go off track. You drift. Yeah. So I I think just. If it's you daily staying and doing the basics of those disciplines, prayer, seeking God, then it keeps your heart in check. It keeps your your, your spirit alive, it keeps repentance alive. So you stay fresh and green. I love that. Psalm one. Yeah. Those, you know. Uh, secondly, stay in community. And not, not, don't, it's because we're called to Christ, but we are called to a particular people. So we are part of church big C, but also part of church little C. We are, we do, God has called each one of us to a local church. So know what you call to, but also know who you call to. God calls you to relationship. He calls you to friendship. He calls you to those connections, by the way, that doesn't mean they're going to be easy. Yeah. So I think, I think it's not working through relationship and what have you. And in the midst of that, if I can parentheses, this concept, You have to overcome offense. Mm. Uh, I believe the more you grow in Christ and the deeper you grow in ministry, the more the opportunity to be offended will be. Therefore, the more you've got to live in forgiveness. I think what defines Christianity is not just faith, but it's forgiveness. The cross is at the center of Christianity. Uh, it's Jesus forgiving, God forgiving the world through Christ through the sacrifice of Christ, yeah. you know, it's the vertical axis, but the horizontal axis, axis is the second part of Ephesians 2, which is he's removed the wall of hostility. Not only does he give us the power to be forgiven, he gives us the power to forgive. And I think we've got to constantly live in the place of forgiveness, which keeps relationships intact mm-hmm. and alive, uh and and in longevity
1: yeah
0: um and and thirdly just look after yourself like ha- have a holistic view of your life because that's longevity so not just spirit but yeah. but spirit soul and body mm-hmm. you know so so work on your emotional health work on your mental health keep your physical health as much as you can now we've all we've all got broken bodies and broken souls, and yeah. have you, but we can do what we can do, you know? So, um, so I think, um, you know, ha- have that holistic view, stay healthy, eat well, exercise, do all the things because you want, because the body is, is the vessel of God's calling.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and Christianity, um, I did this whole course, um, you know, theology of health mm theology of the body and and christianity is, is pretty well the only religion that actually has a theology of the body um and the body isn't to be denied the body to be looked after it's a gift mm-hmm. so if we're going to live as long as god wants us to live and and fulfill the call of god we need to be you know as healthy as we can body soul and spirit yeah and um yeah and stay in relationship keep the call of god alive keep the word of god keep prayer alive and i think we can then You know, 30, 40, 50 years into our call, Mm -hmm. still be fresh green plants, helping people, helping the next generation, loving God and uh, staying alive in him.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking time out of your morning. Um, How's Friday look, by the way? It's Thursday here.
0: That's good. So you've got something to look forward to.
1: We, We made it another day
0: yeah (laughs) well thank you seriously a bit raining and miserable here but that's okay i mean it's freezing cold when you are so right we're on the other side of the world so isn't that amazing yeah exactly.
1: but again thank you so much it means the world to me um i hope that anyone watching this you had your notebooks out and took notes um pastor mark where can we find you you're on social media how can we find you
0: uh good question uh instagram probably best place so mark just mark kelsey k e l s e y mark kelsey sorry mark kelsey i gotta get that oh, wow. <laughs> okay. um and there's markkelsey.org if there's some there's uh, I have a website there and there's a yeah. a few blogs and articles and stuff i've written on, on various things so yeah and uh and uh, yeah so hey such a pleasure talking to you josh you're yeah. you're a good man
1: i appreciate it I, uh, again, thank you so much.